Let's do it. Dun, 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 dun. It's week four. That's because we just finished week three. Um, Connor, NFL started this weekend. NFL Your Lions. On Thursday. Your Lions. Take a bow. I'm surprised. I know you're wearing a Tigers hat tonight, but I'm surprised it's not full Lions gear all week from you. Well, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it, but then I was like, let's be let's be professional here. Let's represent Canadian football perspective, which is what we're here to do. Talk about some OUA football, but I will take a second. Detroit Lions beat the Kansas City Chiefs at home. Defending Super Bowl champions. Let's talk about some potential Yates Cup contenders though right now because Laurier has a chance to make a playoff run here if Taylor Algersma keeps playing the way that he has been especially in this 60 to 21 win over the Guelph Griffins let's talk about this day from Taylor Algersma because oh my goodness was it ever impressive I got ahead of myself and tweeted out seven passing touchdowns no no just six. seven total just six yeah just, just six. six just six passing touchdowns um and one on the ground. So he did have seven total. Connor, from the word go in this game, Algorithma was flying around. Three for three in the touchdown on the opening drive. And I just went, yep, this one's done. If you're going to let Raiden Thorne run clean down the middle of the field, you're not going to stand any chance against this team. Because once that starts happening, oh, wait, then Ethan Jordan starts to get opened up. And, 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 and 60 points. Yeah, that was, I mean, as much as we can sit here and talk about how great Taylor L. Gersma looked in this offense, 30 of 35, 446, like we alluded to, we do need to take a second and mention and tip our cap to the wide receivers in this one as well. Raiden Thorne, 134 and two. Ethan Jordan, 130 and two. These were two of the biggest playmakers on the field. Not to mention Avery Scott had himself a day on the ground, nine carries, 104 yards. As much as this was the Algersma show, it was really the Laurier playmaker show, I think. You know what the most impressive play was to me? Simple I, simple I do handoff. know because you sent it to me. Oh, okay. It's not where I thought you were going. Simple handoff to Quentin Scott. He gets his face mask reefed around to the side. Says, doesn't phase me. Takes off for 30 yards. Pardon? Dude, you just got your neck wrung out like a towel from your face mask. You should just drop on contact. No, no. Shrugs it off like it's no big deal. Wanders for 30 yards. Imposes well at the end of it. I think he ran over a guy like as he was going down. But it's like, come on. Seriously, like that is the type of play that these Laurier Golden Hawks are making that makes you say, whoa, they're not messing around. And then on top of that, they have the speed and finesse and flash to put up 60 points. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it, it was certainly an impressive showing from their offense. <laughs> but in this one, too, to me, the defense was absolutely outstanding. And I know we talk about this guy seemingly every week now, but, but it's because he keeps giving us a reason to. <laughs> Five sacks for this Laurier defense. Luke Brubaker, I think, was at the forefront, again, of the effort. There was a... a the, there's a few other guys that had, you know, very good games. But to me, when you're watching this game and when you're watching it back, like Brubaker is the leader, is the drive of this defense, I think. All right. Let's talk about 
Guelph for a little bit because I know they were missing Mortuzo again. Um, doesn't look like he's going to be coming back anytime soon to save this defense. And the last two weeks, I don't know if Mortuzo's presence would have been enough to stop this kind of bleeding. Uh, offensively, though, the focal point has to be Sean Genesis. It has to be. And I know they're sticking with Tristan Abood, which is all you want this year from Guelph. He looks good. Marshall McCray seriously has the legs to be that utility weapon in the red zone that he has. But Abood is your guy. And I think at this point for Guelph, you're one and two. Everything has to be centered around getting him focused, getting him recentered for next year and building on it. I know it's like they're one and two. They can still make the a run, make the playoffs. Absolutely. Their season's not over. But the way these two losses have gone to Laurier and Windsor, they're going to be in tough, Connor. Yeah, no, they certainly are. But I, I think as we look at this Guelph team moving forward. At Mac, against York, at Waterloo, against Queens, at Carlton. Waterloo, Queens, Carlton to close the year is three tough physical games. This Carlton defense, we'll talk about them in a second. Yeah, I was going to say. They're for real, for real. Oh, yeah. Queens, we know who they are. Waterloo's defense, they took their lumps against Windsor. But they are a fast group as well. And then McMaster, next week, how do you rebound from a 60-point loss when Keegan Hall is going to throw the ball the same damn ways Elgersma just diced your defense apart? And we'll get there. Like, if it's not Keegan Hall, Mac showed that they have depth at that position. But back to this Guelph offense for me for a second. To your point about Tristan Abood, I think he's shown enough now in his, let's call it two two actual starts. He got some three starts, but two full games with, with playing time in this one. He goes 22 completions, 277 and a touchdown, no interceptions. I, I think that's a lot to build on in the coming weeks. I think that there's a lot of positivity there for Abood because what more in in, the, in this type of game where Laurier is just absolutely on fire, everything seemingly is going their way. What more can you ask from your quarterback than to just go out and, and execute and do a good job of taking care of the football, putting it in your your playmaker's hands to make to make plays? Like he did kind of everything that you're supposed to as a rookie quarterback in this game, I think. But yeah, it, it does. You know. Instead of one touchdown, we need to start seeing those kind of multiple touchdown games, not from Abood, but I think from the Guelph offense as a, as a whole. All right, let's go now. Windsor Lancers, 37 nothing over the Waterloo Warriors. Connor, you were excited for Nick Orr, and then the Windsor pass rush stepped off the bus. Yeah, man. I, I think uh, what we've seen from Nick Orr so far in his debut has, has certainly been impressive, but in this matchup, Unfortunately, you run into one of the hottest defenses in the nation right now in the Windsor Lancers. Look at what they've done up front. It is, it's so damn impressive. They came into this one with 10 sacks leading the country. They pile on six more and they hold Nick Orr to 89 53, yards through the air. Yeah, on 53% completions too, uh, and an interception. And uh, my guy in this one, Clayton Mewson, added two sacks on the day. And he is an absolute force in this Windsor pass rush. It is so impressive to watch him play. It is so impressive to watch this Windsor Lancers defense play. I know we talk about the offense a lot. And Danny Skelton did have himself a day in this one. But 
man, this as a defensive guy, this defense is is a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and with this team, like they're putting up points in this game, and it's not because they're dominating the time of possession. It's not because they're so one-dimensional on offense. It's 400 yards from Danny Skelton. Okay, well, 150 or 160 between Zorn and uh, John. Okay. Uh, Then they have the punt return touchdown from Giovanni Cunningham. And they also have like a a ton of field goals. So they are truly a balanced team, Connor. This defense contributes. Special teams continue to. Offense contributes. And... For people that have wins are on their schedule, it's not just can you slow down the run because they have the playmakers and they have the quarterback to really make you pay if you go in tight and all in on the run game. One of my favorite quotes from this weekend, just quickly before we move off this game, one of my favorite quotes from from the broadcast this weekend was from the Waterloo team because it was a Waterloo home game. They were talking about how there is a Western connection, a Western coaching tree connection to either of these teams, but they they mentioned Windsor specifically in saying, you know, this year there's a little bit of, of Western Mustangs in this Windsor Lancers team, which just I love to circle back this. It comes around to our preseason chat with Coach Cercelli where he said the best teams in the OUA, they run the ball really well. So I, I do kind of like to see that come full circle a little bit as the as the Windsor Lancers move to three and O on the season. The third of the one o'clock games, also the biggest blowout of the weekend. Connor McMaster Marauders, 71-0 over the York Lions. Uh, 36 first downs, 570 yards of total offense. Uh, Keegan Hall and the starters pulled before halftime for the most part. Uh, This game got out of hand really quickly. Um, McMaster still didn't really try to run the ball, (laughs) which is, I mean, they attempted what? 42 pass attempts. Um, so with that being said, they ran the ball, I think about 20 times and two of those were sacks for negative yardage. So uh, 18 rushes. I I think that this team is really built on their passing identity and defense held up. But once again, for York Connor, it was the offense not being able to sustain anything really in terms of drives um, split time between quarterbacks after Owen Webb threw three interceptions. Run game didn't really get going. Uh, receiving, not a whole lot there either. So uh, with this game, I, I don't think we spend too much time on it. McMaster obviously moving on uh, as they continue to stack up wins early in the season. Yeah, I think those are, are my takeaways a little bit in this game too. Um, I guess their first you know, win of the season. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, just th- those, as I was saying, those are kind of two of my takeaways in uh, in this one as well. It's like, I-, I think York just ran into a pretty uh, a pretty fired up McMaster team angry. coming off. Yeah, angry McMaster team coming off that that loss to Western. And, and, you know, I really do think we, which isn't surprising if you've watched McMaster football for the last three weeks, we've we've found out their their identity on offense here. I mean, they've got, a handful of receivers who go over 40 yards in this one, obviously Jackson cooling 135 the touchdown Puskis 84 in the touchdown Patton 50 in a touchdown. The identity of this McMaster Marauders team is throwing the football and they have certainly found their guy in Keegan Hall. But I think there's also some depth there, which, which is great to know, but 
Keegan Hall goes 302. York ran into a, a pretty mad McMaster team, as you said, and and they're going to throw the ball no matter who it is. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to the Queens-Toronto game well, here. Because, yeah, this one was uh, pretty interesting. Uh, <laughs> Toronto down 12-9 at the half. Um, really weird where offense didn't get anything going. It was a pick six from Ryan Collins that – uh, put them on the board, and then Queens gave them a safety towards the end of the second half to save field position. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it was, well, here comes Queens. Uh, blocked punt, Cherichisari, Alex Freakin. Uh, this team just kind of kicked it into another gear, and I'll credit, like you did, uh, the broadcast team, because as they were kind of down below the broadcast booth as as Queens was heading in or – uh, in that halftime, Coach Schneider, I guess, had said something to the tune of, let's get a bit more serious now, guys. And they came out and responded to the coach's message. Um, Queens really dominated kind of this game through and through. Save the pick six. Um, the Queen or the Toronto offense didn't really get much going. Conceal Phillip, five of 12, 40 yards. Uh, five attempts for 26 yards on the ground. Then they just kind of moved away from him. I don't know if it was injury. Um, he did have tape around one of his calves, but I don't know if it was uh, the reason to keep him out of the game. And Scott Barnett came in and they tried to move the ball, but uh, once again, it was more of his legs than arm that were doing the damage for this Toronto team. Yeah, I mean, when you look at this, it's another uh, another tough day for the the varsity blues offense and they ran into you know a really good defense i think in this one when you look at what queens was able to do three sacks five tfls a whole bunch of tackles some pass breakups a block fumble recovery welcome back keegan vanek on that fumble recovery for a touchdown but they they ran into you know a really stout queens gales defense in this one and i do i think my other point that i want to make with queens as we as we're talking about them a little bit here is I think going into week four now after this game, especially after week one, when, you know, there was some kind of questions from us, I would say, after after their week one game against Laurier, I think their offense now really, really had a good day. I think it's going to build their confidence. It looked like they found their groove. Jared Chisari, 17 carries for 170, for 170 yards and two touchdowns. That is a Polkian performance if i can say so this week but yeah that's that's kind of my my takeaway here for the queen's offense is i think that having a type of day like this is, is only going to be a stepping stone i think for them or like aha moment for this gales offense now i don't want to jump too far ahead connor because queen's western is still a week away but we're going to move now to the western carlton game and not only is this a road trip to Ottawa and home for the Mustangs. They then have to double back and go to Queens and home again. Yeah. Uh, as Queens has already had their bye, Keegan Vanek, obviously, like you said, welcome back moment. Uh, they've gotten healthier each week. Western, meanwhile, that's a lot of driving. Right as school starting, some of your students are not quite as used to it after summer vacation of uh, building the grind back up for schoolwork. Western and Carlton, Connor, 
was really close. It was 14-10 at the half uh, after Kasim Ferdinand threw a ball <laughs> uh, on the double pass there to Ben Huckabone. Awesome. Um, that was great. But this game opened up for Western. I want to say opened up. Uh, it felt like Western moved the ball and said, all right, that was fun, but we're Western. Um, thanks for showing up. Have a good night. And it hinged on the Keanu Yazbek 81-yard touchdown run. Connor, I don't think he got touched on the 81 yards. And I texted you just saying, wow. You texted me back saying, nail me coffin. I texted you a gif of a WWE wrestler breaking someone's back off the standard for the ring. Like, that is one of those plays where it really felt like Carlton had a lot of momentum coming out of the half. Yeah. Western hit that 81-yard run, and it was, oh, my. This game is different all of a sudden. And Western started to roll. The defense started to get worn down, and it was five-yard runs that turned to eight-yard runs or two yards to five yards, where they just started to slowly piece away, slowly piece away to the point where they were able to open up Seth Robert touchdowns. Yeah, I mean – for me, I agree. the The third quarter for me in this one was was the backbreaker for Carlton a little bit. And I do want to say before I before I continue on here that I I think Carlton played a hell of a game. I thought this was you know if you're if Carlton you're Carlton is a lot surfing, better than I think people want to yeah. give them credit for this year. They've it, had two really tough losses, and yeah, I, I played. You see, like the Robert Sala thing this year, where it's my my pet peeve is when someone plays. You guys played damn hard today. That's Carlton right now. Yeah. They're playing damn hard football and they're a tough out for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this this 10 point loss, I know that's a, a pretty close score in football, anyways, but this 10 point loss for me was a little bit closer than if you're just kind of surfing along and just see it. Like if you watch this game, it was a competitive ball game. It was close to the wire, but it was the third quarter. When you get blanked in the third quarter and you allow the other team to go from, you know, down four to up 10 and you don't kind of pace them at least kind of keep it within within three and then allow another touchdown going into the the fourth quarter you score one late um but yeah the 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 western after that after that yeah back touchdown it, it really did feel like western took the lid off the jar really opened things up found that stride but i do there was a lot that i liked from from carlton in this one as well i mean Shot for shot, when we're when we're looking at the quarterbacks in this one, Tristan Lefebvre paced Evan Hillock. It was Evan Hillock two fifty four for three. Tristan Lefebvre two hundred for two. Yeah, I, I I'm really liking Lefebvre in this offense this year. Um, and shout out to Josh Ferguson too, by the way. Oh no, I got another thousand yards. I've got another shout out. Um, Louis Laveau. I know we talk about. Kevin Victome as the shutdown corner in the country. He may have someone in the same city in Louis Laveau Connor that is matching him stride for stride in terms of match play, zone coverage, uh, and pure technical skill. He's a great athlete. Very fun to watch. Uh, all right. That kind of concludes the OUA recap for this week. For our CFP listeners, well, 
There was lots of great storylines this week. Uh, we're going to start. Connor has a huge bone to pick with the Sherbrooke Varior after they blew yet again a 21 point lead in the second half. Uh, Olivier Waugh and Co. turned it up. And then it was double overtime. Offenses stalled out all until. The Concordia Stingers come all the way back, circled the wagon, and Carter's shaking his head already. For yourself, Wade, and for anybody who listened to our OUA previews last week, please say this. Uh, I picked me. a road dog again. Please Hell say yeah. <laughs> this in unison. What was what was my thing that I said about Sherbrooke? If you go Can in, they close the second half. <laughs> if you go in. To the third quarter, you start the third quarter with a lead. You need to be able to put your foot on the gas pedal, maintain this lead, and win the ball game. Sherbrooke, perfect opportunity to execute this. They're up 21 at the half. And you know what happens? They get outscored 24 to 3 in the second half of this ball game. Eventually go on to lose in double OT. Go Stingers. That is my bone. That's my gripe. I'm upset. (laughs) Because they Uh, start so hot and they look so good in the first quarter, in the first half of these games. And then, like, come on. And it was all frustrating because I care, by the way, for any of the Sherbrooke fans out there. (laughs) <laughs> it was all Robichaud too like a uh, six yard run two yard run passing touchdown and the two yard run was right before the half so they have momentum going in and then it just disappears <laughs> it's like oh it's like they they morph into the replacements at halftime <laughs> <laughs> just just to just to make like an analogy out of it almost like they truly becomes someone else. Jekyll becomes Hyde. Oh, yeah. And there is, oh, there, is all you got. <laughs> I know. I, I know. Um I'm just I'm frustrated uh, because there's talent on that roster. We saw it at the East West Bowl, especially with regard to Anthony Robichaud. He's a good quarterback. But you like the team, the Sherbrooke team. Please close out the next game, or I will find my final resting place at this desk. All right. Um, what is my rule for new quarterbacks? Three games. I really want to break that three-game rule for one man wearing green and white playing in the province of Saskatchewan. Anton Amendrand? Oh, my God. Now, I'm going to hold the three-game rule. I don't think it's going to make much of a difference. Because no, the receivers the that this man is throwing to, Rhett Vavra, did you see the three touchdowns he scored? He was uncoverable. In the first half? Uncoverable. But that's because people are so worried about guys like Daniel Perry and Caleb Morin that all of the attention goes to them and Rhett Vavra is so fast he just sneaks downfield. He averages 22 yards a catch in this game, Connor. Looked... And a touchdown every second time he touches the ball. Yeah. Uh, 
not to mention Cabongo and Frank in the backfield is a good combination. Anton Amadrid is honestly showing up to freshman year. He is like showing up to the party as a 20 year old when the party's full of like 35, 40 year olds. And he's pulling up in a luxury Rolls Royce, some kind of Maybach, some kind of fancy car where he has every bell and whistle imaginable. He can almost hit auto drive, sit back and pour himself a drink as he gets going here. Connor, he is living the life and he's dealing at the same time. Yep. Yep. 29 of 40. 391, four touchdowns. I really thought this game would be closer. And then the Saskatchewan defense just said, not today, partner. We're done here. Dude, like, I don't know what... It what wasn't. A, yeah, I don't. You you hit the nail on the head there for for everything. I don't have much else to say other than this Huskies team is really damn impressive right now, like really damn impressive. And let's self scout a little bit here because we didn't we didn't expect this. We didn't put them in our contenders tier this year on the triangle. It's so. Not- we did not. So we are going to self-scout here for a second through... Yeah, we did. We we put them in challengers. Sorry, we put them in challengers. Is that the second tier down? Yeah, that is tier two. They were okay. with Laurier and the Carabae and the GGs and X. I th- okay, well then, no, I'm going to stand by it. I think that's fair. These were teams... UBC is these, above them. <laughs> were all, yeah, but they had a good showing this weekend as well. They played really well against the Calgary Dinos this weekend. Garrett Rooker looked good. Team looked good. However, Calgary, I think, is going through some struggles in the Can West this year. But there is one Can West team I would like to talk about. I would like to ask you a question about. The Alberta Golden Bears just pulled off a 37-16 win. Over the Manitoba Bison. Eli Hetlinger, 205 and three, two two interceptions as well. Rushing, Matthew Peterson, 158 on the ground. Are these Alberta Golden Bears for real? And it is important to note in this one Jackson Tachinsky, 5 of 8, 39. I believe he left the game. So here's my thing Manitoba scores at the start. And at the end, everything in the middle is Golden Bears. 500 yards of offense. That has nothing to do with Tuchinski being out. What I want to say here with Alberta is they beat Regina, who we all thought would be really good. Regina just went and got slaughtered. So can we take Regina win in week one? And weigh it the same as we did at that time. This is what I love about college football. Because anyone can lose to anyone at any given week. And then all of a sudden, the retrospective view, we judge games so much differently. Oh, yeah. Um, what's, the, what's the saying? Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? 
But with Alberta, Connor, with Manitoba now, you know, they gave Saskatchewan a good game, but it was a lot of Saskatchewan self-inflicted wounds that made that a close game. So for Alberta, I want to say, yeah, they're legit. But at this point, I need to see them against UBC and Saskatchewan. Well, because I th- I think they could be third in the Can West, but you is will, that a close third or a distant third? You will get to see this Friday, Alberta in Saskatchewan, seven p.m. Friday night, seven p.m. I should say seven p.m. Saskatchewan time, Friday night. I'm looking forward to that game. I, I am because I think this is going to be a, a test for Alberta, for themselves, for us to see what they are, and for Saskatchewan as well, because Alberta does have a damn good defense. Now, Manitoba obviously has really talented players all over the defense. Uh, Stephen Adamopoulos, who we saw at the East-West Bowl, really liked him in person. Uh, nine tackles. Connor, if you're starting safety, has nine tackles. Your front seven got shredded. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, Colin I love Cornelson at six. Also, do the statisticians in can at this game hate assisted tackles? <laughs> I'm looking at it now. Looks like it. Nobody on Manitoba, nobody on Alberta had a assisted tackle. So you're telling me every single play, one Is man a solo tackle. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure it wasn't. Um, but I, I, I do think Alberta can be a real big thorn in the side for teams. Uh, I just want to see how big of a thorn. I'm with you. Is that fair? Yeah, like, no, I'm I'm with you. I agree. All right. Next, any, other games, uh, any other games you want to talk about here? The Can West games were really good this week. Uh, Calgary hung in there for a while. X Mount Allison is one that really got away from Mount A. A little bit. Justin Vogel seemed to be the only piece of offense for the uh, Mounties. 70 yards rushing, 160 through the air. Daniel Bell, two TFLs. Owen O'Neill, 10 tackles. But the bus got rolling. Two touchdowns, 87 yards. (laughs) Um, Man, I mean, as much as I want to, like, I could talk about the bus here all day. You can too. But Ben Hadley, six of six on field goals, three and a touchdown points, run, two rouges, and a touchdown run. So, what a day from the from the X Men kicker MVP for me. Yeah, this was. Uh... But that, that kind of goes back to like last week when we talked about Toronto's defense. Mount A's defense didn't give up a whole lot of touchdowns. A two-yard rush, obviously the 34-yard run was very nice from the bus. But it was a lot of field goals, field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal. Um, they held in there a long time. But the offense just can't get anything going once again. And being down 20 eight to one at half you're playing in Dax's hand yeah yeah especially when you know I I hate to be overly critical here but when when you're running 
such a one dimensional offense as we're seeing out of Mount A right a one now. Person. One person offense. offense. <laughs> X can can really tee up and tee off on that. And you know, Justin Vogels is a is a really talented player and it's a little bit of a double edged sword because you need an athletic and very talented quarterback to be a good team. But when your athletic and really good quarterback becomes your only source of offense, you're now at a detriment. So you need to find ways to be more dynamic and get the ball into the hands of, of some more playmakers here. If you're Mount A for me, it's just, it, it's the the theme here for us. I think this year is, is where and when is this Move offensive outfit? Yeah. Like, when is it not going to be Justin Vogels anymore? And when is it going to be the Mount A offense? Um, all right. I think that's it for this week. But, Connor, let's take a quick sneak peek, if we may. I have one question for you, if I may, before we take a quick sneak peek. You may. Okay. We are three games into the season. Not quite halfway, but we're coming up on week four here. So almost the almost the halfway point in the OUA season already, which is which is kind of crazy and and U Sports season really getting closer than not. After three games for most, two games for some. Who is who is your who is your Heck Crichton front runner and who is your runner up oh. heading into week four? Um, Anton Amendrud, uh, has got to be up there. People are going to point to Evan Hillock just because of the, you the statistical to. numbers. He, uh, only, he has 900, basically he has 950 yards, 10 touchdowns, no interceptions. I, I know that he's got three of the best receivers in the country on his team, but as a quarterback, it's still your job to find them and not turn the ball over. And but I'm going to is... tell you who my true leader is in the clubhouse right now. Is he where? It's Jonathan, it's Jonathan Seneca. Okay. But if you are going to win a Heck Crichton from the RSEC, you need to beat one effing team in particular, the Laval Rouge Or. Yep. And guess what we get Sunday at 1 p.m.? From Laval. Oh, wait. That exact matchup. And Kevin Mittal is back from his one-game suspension. Arnaud, Glenn, Mittal. You've got a three-headed monster who you need to take out. I get it. They're on the offensive side of the ball. They're not directly affecting you and your play, Jonathan Senecal. But that is the man, and that is the team that you get compared to. Win, lose, draw, 400 yards, 4 yards. If you lose this game, you could probably kiss the heck goodbye. Because that probably means Laval's got the inside track to host again through the playoffs. You don't have to bring him to Sepsum except for when they come and travel towards you guys. Later in the year. This is a must win game. Because until the middle of October. It's all. People are going to care about. In the RSAC. Hard to argue with that logic. Alright. I like it. By the way I'm picking Laval to win. 
<laughs> Jonathan Seneca was my Hat Crichton favorite until he loses to Laval, and I'm picking Laval to win. All right. All right. I like it. All right. Who's yours? <laughs> wow. I mean, it's hard to argue with your picks. Like, uh, obviously, I made just made a very strong case for Evan Hillock. I think he has to be in the conversation, certainly. Um, obviously, Jonathan Senecal, I think what he's doing this year with the Montreal offense is outstanding. Another guy with no interceptions yet this season. Hard to argue with that. Seven touchdowns, no interceptions, almost 800 yards. I think, you know, depending on how their season falls, a sneaky one for me is going to be El Gersma, uh, because yeah, he's just, I, he's operated that offense lean, so well. I want to um, lean El Gersma, Connor, but with the amount that Laurier emphasizes in uh, the ground game, I don't think El Gersma's numbers are going to be overly fantastic. And this is kind of where I shy away from Hillock in picking a true favorite is when the cookie crumbles, it's going to be power running with Keon Edwards and Keanu Yazbek. When the cookie crumbles with Laurier, it's Scott Nelms and the freaking bus. Yeah. Sorry, the GRT. The GRT. The GRT. The GRT. We did get a compliment on that this weekend, actually. So for those who haven't heard yet. Oh, I thought we got a compliment on uh, saying the GR- they were prestige worldwide. That from that that was from the actual uh, Laurier. Laurier social feed. Yeah. So shout out to whoever runs... Uh, Laurier Athletics, you're the bomb. That was great. Appreciate that. But no, um, uh, a fan watching the Laurier game actually saw our GRT tweet and was was shocked that we had made a a GRT reference, which is now our nickname for Darren Bassett Hayden, baby. Yes, because Malcolm Bussey yes. is the legit bus. He's the bus. Malcolm Bussey, bus. It's right there. It's in the name. But Bassett Hayden. Is Jerome Bettis esque, so he has to have some form of a bus name. And for our viewers who didn't listen last week, the transit company in Kitchener is the Grand River Transit. Boom. Therefore, Darren Bass Hayden, GRT. Three letters cool. for three letters. Ah, look at that. I know. Unintentional. I know. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, Enjoy some Monday Night Football. Enjoy the reaction from Monday Night Football tomorrow morning for those listening to this. Uh, CFP15 at fox40shop.com gets you 15% off all your whistle needs. So long. Farewell. I bid you adieu. Tune in to OUA TV.